This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, back into it with Joe Mahavik, Peter Tabbins, and Anthony Fury. And uh, I've got a couple of issues here that involve the mayor, Mayor Tory, insofar as uh, he's weighed in on this MacArthur case. I mean, horrific as it is, he says Toronto deserves answers to the many questions raised in the case of this monster, Bruce MacArthur. And uh, there's an external review right now happening about missing persons and how the police have handled them. But the Justice Gloria Epstein, who's the head of it, has written a letter to the Toronto Police Board and wants to uh, broaden the scope that includes the MacArthur case because uh, otherwise she was sort of narrower narrower in the frame of reference that dealt with uh, other missing individuals found deceased, Tess Ritchie, Allura Wells. Let me start, though, uh, with this MacArthur thing. If there were uh, an expanded review, I mean, is there anything to be gleaned from this when the mayor says we need answers? Some cynics are saying he's just trying to pander to the LGBTQ community. Anthony, how do you see it? Look, maybe he is in part, but I also think Toronto police, they don't have a very good batting average right now. So whether you're a, a person on the street, like a couple of MacArthur's victims were, or whether you're the billionaire Sherman's, access to justice is, has been a little shaky uh, recently. So I, I don't have any problem stopping and pausing and looking at uh, why did uh, why did all this stuff happen? Why did things fall through the cracks? I do get a, there's all these different reviews and, and uh, that are happening more and more. So too many exercises in process. Part of the problem with this case when you look at some of the details we have, when you talk about, you know, the perfect murder and all those movies and shows and thrillers they make about it, it did seem, and I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm going to want to take a shower after saying this, but it seemed like this guy was kind of good at what he did, which is why he was evaded from being caught uh, for so long and perhaps why the police had so many challenges for so many years on this. Although I understand other investigators have said there were signs even decades ago that there were problems with this guy, but anytime someone isn't caught, I don't think it necessarily means that we have a total failure of policing. In other words, hindsight's twenty twenty now, and that's the prism we seem to be looking through. Joe, do you think there's anything of merit to be uh, gained by uh, conducting a review of this MacArthur case and well, the police handling it? There, there might be, and that's why you do the review, is because there might be things that uh, have, have uh, been overlooked by the police, internal processes, uh, not, uh, not having continuity on, on a variety of files that really push, are pushing this, uh, this review. So, yes, absolutely, <coughs> we need uh, this kind of review. Um, I think also it will give the public uh, better security that we're, we're learning from our mistakes. And clearly there were mistakes made uh, during the, the, these investigations of the various people that were killed. Connections weren't drawn. And if there's anything to learn, then uh, we should do it in an upfront way. Absolutely. All right, Peter. And uh, the premier weighed in. He said, you know, this seems like it's dumping on the police, you know, and he was uh, singing, uh, you know, or praising the police for their work nonetheless getting this guy he's uh pled guilty obviously saved us the in you know having to endure a trial and everything like that again i'll ask the same question i asked joe do you think a review uh that really drills down on where the police might have mishandled things is fair or you know is that uh presuming as you know television resolves these things in 60 minutes maybe we're all spoiled and we think the cops are always going to be infallible well i don't think it's unfair at all i think it's necessary um, the gay community has been traumatized by all this. A lot of people in the community noticed that people were going missing. There were questions a few years ago about whether or not there was a serial killer in the community. The police said no, there was no serial killer. Uh, did the police at the time they said that know? And I think they did know that they were, they were investigating that. And if that's the case, what was the basis for making that decision, making that statement? So I, I think that the community which, again, has been deeply shaken, um, 
needs to have these questions answered. And if there were mistakes in the police approach to this, then they need to be understood so that we don't repeat them. The the Picton serial killings in Vancouver, um, a lot of people said afterwards, those murders and disappearances were dismissed because the women who were being killed were sex workers. And so it wasn't taken seriously. And a lot of people died. You do have to look at situations where you have a large number of casualties, a large number of deaths, and say, could we have done it better? I don't think there's a problem with that. I I think it's to the police's advantage because they may be able to say, okay, we had to do this at this point in order to not jeopardize the investigation. All right, uh, Anthony. Uh, you know, I think Joe makes a good point when he says public assurances, because yeah. trust in the Toronto police is kind of eroding right now. Just as to Doug Ford's point, as long as it's not done in a way where we're looking for a fall guy, and the report comes out, and then right, Chief Saunders must resign and heads must roll. But if it's if it is just a, a sincere and earnest approach to you know what, where did we maybe misstep? Then yeah. All right. Uh, on the other matter surrounding the mayor and uh, his. I guess it's a mild critique of the uh, Housing Now project. Uh, The advocates are suggesting, you know, uh, affordable housing is such a crisis point that uh, when the mayor talks about uh, developing city lands, 11 properties in total, and uh, building 10,000 units, uh, one one third of which would be uh, lower than market uh, rental, as well as uh, are affordable, the remainder split between market rent and condo units, the activists and advocates are saying, why condo units? I mean, but how else would you entice developers to build, I mean, 10,000 units unless there's some return on investment? I mean, there is this suggestion $280 million would be waived in development fees and the like. Joe Mahavik, uh, how can we sort of square this circle if you want to make it exclusive to affordable housing? What entices developers to build? Um, money does. Investment uh, does from, from frankly, uh, government and all orders of government. So here are 11 sites, 10,000 possible units, and what are we getting out of the deal for 99 years? We're getting one-third of the unit units at 80% of market. So all those homeless folks that are out there on the street right now, they're not going to benefit from this, nor are people waiting on the 100,000-person waiting list for social affordable housing. If this were Amsterdam, the deal in Amsterdam is out of 100% of uh, new units, 20% go to market, 40% are uh, shallow core, and 40% are deep core. You have to provide 40% deep core for those in uh, greatest of need. So we need to bring, frankly, more money to the table. We should get rid of that 99-year cap. 99 years seems like a long time. It is a long time, but in in the long world of history, in 100 years, then you're going to be at square one again. We should be putting some federal, provincial money in. We should bring them to the table and get as many units as possible, a deep, shallow core, shallow and deep core housing. Okay, just so I understand, what you're saying then is uh, you would remove the profit motive and it would all be uh, subsidized so the developers would develop because of being paid by governments. Well, some could be uh, some. There could be a profit motive, but uh, it should also be available to social service, uh, social housing providers, and uh, deep, uh, not deep, uh, cash should be available to them to provide affordable housing for those in deepest need in our city. No, I get it, but you see, this is the uh, more the money has to come to the table. Well, the developers would be enticed if they can return uh, a profit on a third, let's say, of the ten thousand units. Wouldn't that be sort of the carrot and stick here that works? Uh, you're still going to get some affordable housing. You want it all affordable housing. Is that 
that the case? Uh, well, not all. I, the best housing in Toronto is mixed housing. So you do have mm-hmm. to provide some markets, some shallow core, and some deep core housing because you want mixes in those right. units. Those are the best kinds of housing. Okay, well, that's what the mayor is saying. I mean, uh, the way he set it up, and yet the activists want it to be uh, affordable across the board. They're saying the crisis is such that we can't just have condo units being put out at a uh, market rate and the developer exploiting that situation. How do you see it, Peter? Well, Joe and I are probably pretty close on this. I I think the crisis is pretty profound, and it's certainly most profound for those who are on the waiting list for existing affordable housing, but I get constituents coming into my office all the time, people who are about to finish their working lives and go into retirement, who can no longer afford the place they're living in, Um, people who are working at minimum wage or you know, 10 or 15% above minimum wage, who are just being killed by rent increases. So there's a desperate need in this city for a lot of affordable housing. If you've got the potential for 10,000, 11,000 units of housing, you need to maximize the number of affordable spaces. Okay, so I, what would entice a developer to build then? Well, if you have a nonprofit developer, their, their interest, if you give them the land at a very good price, is if they can make it work, they can develop. And I, I have to well, agree how, with Joe. How would you I, make it work? Well, I think the feds and the province have to kick in money, frankly. Right, well, there you go. Subsidies again, Anthony. Yeah, well, that happens... Uh, Industry gets subsidized all the time in this province. Okay, but you're talking about it subsidizing exclusively. Would that model work for you? I I think we need to radically rethink the way we talk about all of this stuff. Like when we talk about older people retiring and going, oh, I can't pay where I'm living anymore. Decades ago, it was not uncommon for people to go, okay, then I'm going to move to another community, a more retirement community, a Lindsay, Ontario, a Peterborough, or something like that. Now you say that, you'd probably be be hounded out of of the room. How dare you even mention this? The idea that, you know, people have, have a right to live in, a, a prime expensive uh, retail neighborhood, regardless of you know their their, their income and their age and, and their employment status. I mean, when, uh, Joe mentioning all the people out in the streets. I mean, I, I think that's the prime example of people who we should be helping. I think most Canadians are happy with shelling out to help people either who permanently are disadvantaged, permanently cannot work, permanently disabled or what have you, or people who are temporarily down on their luck. But we've got about 750 homes, single-family homes, mostly in the east end of Toronto, uh, that uh, people are living in multi-generationally, and these are people who are employed and have jobs. I know a couple families in that case. They're living there. I'm trying to... I recently just bought a house, but it was a struggle for me for years for my family. These people don't have to face those realities. I remember when Anna Bio did that report saying, let's sell off 10% of these homes. It was an outrage, and and Rob Ford wanted to go ahead with it. I think we should sell all 750 of those homes on the market. A lot of these 100,000, more than 100,000 people on the waiting list, a lot of these are are middle, not higher middle class, because there's a cap to it, but middle class people. What is going on here? I I don't even understand uh, why there is this list. All right. People are being pushed to move in, uh, move outside of Toronto. The person who uh, raised our children in our childcare, uh, she retired, and guess what? She said, "I can't live in the city, so I have to move to St. Catharines." That is happening, and it will continue to happen. Are people doubling up, and our grandparents and granny flats being created? Absolutely, they're being uh, being created. All that is happening. And those are going to be solutions for some people. But some people need to, want to, have historically lived in the city. They have a right to be here. We want a mixed community in the city of Toronto, not just for the wealthy. And I think we need to do more, frankly. When you have 10,000-plus units available being built, and only one-third at 80% of a very expensive market, 
That's not going, going to help very much. We All need right. to do better. I think nah. Anthony was talking about repurposing some of the existing stock, but I wanted to come back. Uh, you did mention Lindsay and folks who are on the margins. Uh, interesting because the Ford government looking at canceling the basic income pilot. Lindsay is one of those communities. Brantford, Hamilton, and Thunder Bay, the others. This is now before the courts. Does it belong there? We'll find out with our panel in moments. Peter Tabins, Anthony Fury, and Joe Mahevic on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 911. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh, my God. The ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going down. I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.